0: This is Understand South Carolina, a news podcast from The Post and Courier. I'm Emily Williams. Today, we're going to break down South Carolina's years-long Santee Cooper saga. The last time we talked about Santee Cooper on this podcast was August 2019. A lot of discussion has taken place since then about what to do with the embattled state-owned utility after it lost $4 billion on the botched expansion of the V.C. Summer Nuclear Power Plant in Fairfield County. That abandoned project is widely regarded as the biggest business failure in state history. The debate about Santee Cooper has centered around a few options. Keep the utility under state ownership and reform it. Keep the utility under state ownership and have another company oversee its management or sell it to another company. Just last week, NextEra, the Florida-based energy company that was lobbying South Carolina lawmakers to buy Sandy Cooper withdrew its bid effectively closing the door on that option. Reporters Avery Wilkes and Andrew Brown have been following this story for years, and today they're helping us get up to speed on the details of this debate and what's next for Santee Cooper.
1: I'm Avery Wilkes. I'm an investigative reporter at The Post and Courier, and I have covered this VC summer Santee Cooper debacle basically since the, the day that Santi Cooper pulled out of the, the plant on July 31st,
2: 2017. My name is Andrew Brown. I previously covered utilities for the Post and Courier and had a hand in covering the VC summer controversy, which resulted in the waste of over $9 billion. Santee Cooper is a public utility, meaning it isn't owned by investors on Wall Street like many of essentially many of the utilities across the country. Santee Cooper is a relic of the New Deal era that emerged in the 1930s and 1940s when the country was first being electrified and rural
3: parts of America were first being electrified. And then, in 1932, a first light for South Carolina's rural people appeared. Franklin Delano Roosevelt, governor of New York, was running for president. At the Chicago Convention, Roosevelt's people met with members of the South Carolina delegation who presented the idea of a canal linking the Santee and Cooper Rivers and an electric generating station that would supply power to areas of the South Carolina Lowcountry.
2: It was created by the state of South Carolina. The utility quickly helped to build Lake Marion and Lake Moultrie, which is in the center of the state. They uh, developed the the hydroelectric dams there. They helped to create power and transport power all over South Carolina, and they still do. They are one of the main power producers for the electric co-ops throughout South Carolina, which serve the most rural parts of the state. And they've been doing that since, again, the 1930s. They're, They're, at this point, 87 years old, the utility. But for the past four years, their future has largely been up in the air.
0: This whole debate came out of the collapse of the VC Summer Nuclear Project in 2017. So first, let's just recap. What was that project and what went wrong?
2: The VC Summer Project was a first-of-its-kind nuclear build in South Carolina. Santee Cooper, a state-owned utility, and South Carolina Electric and Gas, which is an investor-owned utility, joined together in 2008 and decided to build two nuclear reactors to help power their customers in South Carolina. They ended up spending 9 years on that project, got to a point in 2017 in which their their main contractor on the project went bankrupt and the utilities decided to then cancel the project. They moved forward, it was a huge colossal mistake and one that quickly caught the attention of lawmakers and regulators and even criminal investigators. And what resulted was Santee Cooper owed four billion dollars for that project, and sought to charge its customers for that failed project. Its partner on the project, SCE and G, had its own problems with regulators in South Carolina. But Santee Cooper really kind of was at the mercy of the state legislature, who was furious about what happened and the money that was being charged to ratepayers in South Carolina. And so, for the past four years, Santee Cooper. And its leadership have essentially been fighting for their life.
0: In terms of Santee Cooper's involvement in that and Santee Cooper's leadership, what was their culpability and their responsibility in terms of that project falling apart?
2: Santee Cooper was essentially a 45 percent owner of those two nuclear reactors, Mm -hmm. meaning every dollar, they took care of 45 cents of that. Again, they spent over $9 billion, close to $10 billion before the thing was canceled. So while they they may not have played as big of a role as SCE and G in managing that project, their customers definitely footed a huge part of the bill.
0: I I know that a ton of money was obviously sunk into the nuclear project, but why exactly did they have to abandon it? You know, why did they d- determine at one point that they had to walk away from it and, instead of actually finishing?
2: That was Santee Cooper's decision. Ultimately, they were the first ones to call off the project, even if they could have finished the reactors the amount of money that customers would have had to pay for the final outcome of those plants being completed would have been even more absurd than what they're being they're paying for the failed reactors now and we were also learning at the time that the projected
1: demand for electricity was going to be nowhere near what they were estimating at the time that they thought that this plant was going to be a good idea you know a decade before You know, there have been advancements in solar energy and battery storage. And also, uh, I think at the time that the Trump administration had come into power and there wasn't going to be as much of an emphasis on clean energy, as much of an emphasis on moving away from coal as there had been under the Obama administration. So nuclear wasn't as much of a necessity because nuclear, if you can build it, it's, it's clean. The problem is it's really expensive to build. So there were a lot of other outside factors in addition to the mismanagement of the plant, which was significant that, that led to this as well.
0: So we're at this point where the project has has fallen apart and state lawmakers are then left with a decision about kind of what to do with Santee Cooper They have to do something. What were their main options.
1: They kind of had three options. One, which was pitched heavily by Governor Henry McMaster, would be to sell Santee Cooper.
3: We have a rogue agency. We have a bureaucracy that is operating on its own, contrary to instruction, contrary to law, and contrary to instructions given by me to the to the board of directors and the staff as well. This must end. This is not in the best interest of the people of South Carolina. It's not in the best interest of the ratepayers. And it is a, an egregious situation, which I call for a stop to right now at this moment. There are several steps that the General Assembly must take. First, the first step is that the Santee Copa and its, regis, its, its lobbyists and its representatives must obey the law and not be involved in trying to stop the sale or promote the sale or in any way participate in that question concerning Santee Cooper, except to answer the questions given to them by the legislators or other government officials. Their job is not to go out and lobby against the sale of Santee Cooper, which seems to me to be the only way to protect the ratepayers and the people of South Carolina. There's a four, over a $4 billion bonded indebtedness that is out there now. There's no way for Santee Cooper to economize its way out of that. The,
1: the thinking there was pretty simple. Santee Cooper had about $4 billion in debt and its ratepayers uh, were going to have to pay that debt. This was not a, a private investor-owned utility where investors put their money into a company expected to get something back out and made a bad investment and it could be argued that maybe the investors should eat that the cost of that debt instead of ratepayers. Santi Cooper, the only source of revenue it has is, you know, it's 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 ratepayers. So the ratepayers are going to have to pay that amount over a period of, of decades. So the idea was if another company can come in and pay the state a huge amount of money to take on Santee Cooper and all of its debts to pay off its debts that would be a good deal for for ratepayers. The other options were to turn over the management of Santee Cooper to one of those firms but keep it state owned. That wouldn't pay off the debt but it was argued that Santee Cooper had been poorly mismanaged for years and uh, a company like Dominion or like NextEra or like Southern Company based out of Georgia could come in and manage it, you know, in, in a leaner way, in a more efficient way and save money. In that way. But again, that would not have saved the kind of money that maybe a, a sale could have if theoretically you could have paid off all those debts. And then the third option, which is what we're hurtling toward now, is keep Santee Cooper state-owned, but reform it so that it is more accountable, so that it has more oversight, so that it doesn't repeat the mistakes it made that led to VC Summer. Some of the things that lawmakers discovered when they started to look into the VC Summer debacle was essentially how powerless the board was, how disengaged the board was, how little experience the board had in utility matters. A lot of these people were basically politically appointees who had donated to the governor or were were well-liked, but they weren't necessarily former nuclear engineers who knew anything about building a power plant. Also, Santee Cooper only answers to that board. It doesn't answer to utility watchdogs like the Public Service Commission or the Office of Regulatory Staff. So the thinking was, and the thinking is today, that if you can keep Santee Cooper state-owned, but make it run better, make it more accountable, that's kind of the best of, of both worlds. Because one of the great limitations of selling Santee Cooper is that a for-profit company is always going to to cost more in the long run than a not-for-profit utility. And, and studies have, have backed that up. Santee Cooper is tax exempt, but it but it would cost one of these for-profit companies a lot more money to to just operate Santy Cooper because of their, you know, the fact that they're taxed, the fact that they have costs when they borrow money, they, they can't bond out things. They wanted to keep Santy Cooper, you know, keep that that nonprofit status, that tax exempt status, but still run it more efficiently and more accountability.
0: We've mentioned the impacts on on ratepayers. How many rate payers are there in South Carolina to Santee Cooper?
1: Santee Cooper has just shy of about 200,000 direct serve rate payers. That means residential customers who live in Horry County or Georgetown County. I believe they have some in, in Monk's Corner as well that are direct serve. Those are people that have Santee Cooper's name on their power bill. But then there are hundreds of thousands of more uh, co-op customers who get their power from one of the state's 20 electric cooperatives. And those cooperatives, they basically buy power from several sources, but they buy three-fifths of their power from Santee Cooper. And then they go and turn around and sell that power to co-ops who then sell it to the customers. So there's several middlemen in that process. But when it's all told, two million South Carolinians either get their power directly from Santee Cooper or they get power indirectly from
0: Santee Cooper. So because of how that works indirectly, even if Santee Cooper isn't on your power bill, all of these decisions and these debates could be affecting what you're paying, right?
1: Exactly. They, they affect you regardless of whether the name on your power bill is Santee Cooper or whether the name on your power bill is Mid-Carolina Electric or Georgetown or you know whoever else. Santee Cooper provides power to about two-fifths of the state.
0: So you laid out those three options, right, of selling Santee Cooper or keeping Santee Cooper under state ownership and having a private company oversee the management or just going for reform um, and more state oversight over how Santee Cooper works. So in terms of that sale option, the state did solicit formal bids. What happened when the state did that?
2: Early 2020, the legislature started to go over those bids. They quickly ruled out the option of uh, essentially someone managing Santee Cooper for the state because essentially that meant that Santee Cooper and the state kept the debt from the nuclear power project and yet just essentially paid someone a private company, it was specifically Dominion Energy, which operates a different utility in the state, to essentially manage Santee Cooper. So that was kind of quickly ruled out as not a, the option that lawmakers wanted, which set up the situation where lawmakers were either deciding to keep Sandy Cooper kind of as it is under state ownership and under state management or selling to a private utility and the highest bidder in that case was NextEra Energy which is essentially the largest for-profit power company in North America or in the United States. They're based out of Florida. They're one of the fastest growing utilities in the country.
0: Why was NextEra interested. So, we're talking about all this debt that Santi Cooper has. Why did they think that that was a good idea for them as a private business?
1: NextEra was interested because owning a utility in America is basically a license to print money. NextEra has been on a kind of a warpath of trying to acquire utilities and greatly expand in Hawaii, elsewhere in Florida and Jacksonville in Texas and now in South Carolina because we have you know t- utilities in many states are regulated monopolies you have a service territory and everybody in that territory has no choice but to get their electricity from you they can't go shopping at a different electric provider if they think your rates are too high so if you can take over utility service territory in perpetuity Within reason, and it, as much as regulators will let you get away with it, you can charge forever for that. So, uh, even in the business world, investing in utilities is seen as a very reliable, risk-free investment. It, it's in their best interest to do that. It's a it's a really good business decision, even if they're spending a ton of money on the front end. And we we saw them do that, taking out ads in South Carolina. Spending more than $200,000 uh, in lobbying at the State House, throwing a ton of money around because once you get to take over that service territory, it's very lucrative moving forward.
0: So that kind of breaks down why that could be a good idea for Next Era. Now, on the state's end, what were those pros and cons in Next Era's offer? That
2: lawmakers would no longer have to worry about how the utility was being managed. The state legislature wouldn't be in charge and the governor wouldn't be in charge of appointing people to run this utility. It'd kind of be out of their hands and out of their hair. A lot of small government conservatives or free market conservatives didn't want the state being in the power generation business anymore. They they see it as a relic from the new deal era that they want rid of as fast as possible.
1: Another great thing about that offer was it was going to come in and settle the ratepayer lawsuit against santi cooper which was very much an existential threat to santi cooper ratepayers had sued they said that they didn't believe they needed to pay for vc summer since that power plant wasn't finished and basically if a judge agreed you know santi cooper would not be able to charge ratepayers for this power plant they'd have all this debt and no way to pay it and they would essentially go bankrupt and, and cease to exist so Nextera, when they submitted their offer, they had already negotiated with the trial lawyers who were bringing that case against Santi Cooper. And they already had an agreement in place that if they were allowed to purchase Santi Cooper, that lawsuit would go away. So that was a, that was another big draw for that offer.
0: So then what were the cons? Was there anything about this deal that wasn't going to work in South Carolina's favor?
2: Everything about Nextera's offer, whenever it was first kind of made public, looked to be above board, but with anything as complicated as the sale of a, a a public utility that's worth billions of dollars, the fine print was rather important. So Avery and I spent probably several weeks going through some of the more complicated details of NextEra's offer. And there were some parts of it that, once they were explained to state lawmakers, were troublesome for the company. One of the first ones that came out was that NextEra, while they we're going to assume control of Santee Cooper. They wanted to leave behind some li- like several million dollars or billion dollars in liabilities with the state government. They also wanted to leave the legal liability from several major lawsuits that were still facing Santee Cooper at the time with the state government so that if they lost those lawsuits in court, it would be up to taxpayers to pay the bill instead of the pr- newly privatized Santee Cooper. That kind of put lawmakers on edge, made them start raising other questions.
1: Well, another thing they wanted was basically the the freedom to begin building their own power generation. And they wanted pre-approval to do that, which would be, I think, like more than $2 billion worth of projects without having to go through the Public Service Commission, uh, utility regulators, which struck a lot of people as being very similar to the Baseload Review Act, which was the law that enabled the VC summer debacle in the first place. So once we reported that, I think someone called it the, the Baseload Review Act 2.0 or the, the BLRA light, and that was basically a non-starter. One thing lawmakers have learned throughout this debacle is that they don't have the expertise to be deciding energy policy at a, at a kind of a granular level. They, they really don't have the expertise to be deciding which power production project should go forward that that should be you know delegated to people like the the Public Service Commission so they didn't want any part of that and then the other thing that really swung the deal in Santy Cooper's favor was they settled the lawsuit with ratepayers uh, so that kind of removed that that sort of Damocles that was dangling above their head and there was no longer that ex- existential threat that that they would go bankrupt when they reached a, a settlement that was very similar to what next era
2: had reached. Yes, they- Covid happened, and so as soon as we got done reporting on what Nextera's deal included, the legislature was essentially forced to stop convening, and so it, it took a whole another year before lawmakers got back considering it. And as it showed this year, once lawmakers had time to digest it, it just wasn't a palatable solution.
0: So we're at this point where, like you said, that next era deal has been picked apart. Legislators have a better understanding of exactly what that would mean. We are through more of COVID, right? And they have more time to actually debate this. What happened in the last couple weeks that's really brought this to a point of not fully a resolution, but we know more of what the path ahead is going to be?
1: So we're now more than three years into this debate. Lawmakers are tired of it. They're ready to be done with it. They've realized that the the votes aren't there to sell Santee Cooper, that there's too much opposition, especially in the Senate that would block any effort to sell. And as the tea leaves have become more and more apparent, everyone is mostly got on board with regardless, we need to reform Santee Cooper, we need to, to put into place those structural changes to make it more accountable, to make sure VC summer doesn't happen again. The House passed a reform package earlier this year, but that package wanted to keep alive the possibility of a sale. It wanted to set up a committee that if if somebody, if NextEra or Duke Energy or Dominion or some major utility company wanted to put in a huge $20 billion offer for Sandy Cooper, they could. They could just send it to that committee. And that committee would stay as a standing committee for a period of years just to receive offers and evaluate them and say, maybe this is good, or maybe we reject this outright. So they passed that. The Senate kind of molded over for several months, didn't really take much action on it. Then last month, April 22nd, the Senate took it up that week and, and passed their own version of those reforms. But theirs did not include any option, any talk of a possible sale. Again, that's because so many of Santee Cooper's most powerful defenders are in the Senate. After that, NextEra, which I has, again has been waiting in the wings for years, basically realized politically there's no path forward for them. There's no way they were going to be able to come in and, and buy Santee Cooper. They just wouldn't be able to get the votes. So they pulled out. They actually withdrew their offer, which had been the highest bid, and they asked for their $25 million deposit back from the state. And they got that money back and They basically got rid of all their lobbying campaign and all their their efforts to try to build goodwill in South Carolina, and they, they pulled out and they told lawmakers they were gone. The House on Tuesday, May the 4th, passed its own reform package, just minor tweaks for the most part, but they still wanted to include the possibility of a sale. That's going to go to a conference committee where senators and House members are going to negotiate over sort of what the final version of that package will be. And it remains to be seen whether that final compromise will include any language about a possible sale in the future, but it's likely that's going to get taken out.
0: In terms of those reforms, so we've talked about these different options of what the state could have done with Santi Cooper. We're clearly going down that path of reform. What does that actually look like? You know, What is going to change about how Santi Cooper functions? in a way that addresses the concerns that lawmakers have?
1: One of the important things lawmakers think is replacing the board, uh, basically getting rid of any member of that 12-member board that had anything to do with VC summer and removing them and replacing them on staggered terms over the next few years. Term limiting the board is going to be part of that package, increasing the, the requirements to be a board member to make sure that you're more knowledgeable about matters, utility, legal, financial matters that Sandy Cooper board members should know about. There's going to be requirements that any major decisions that Sandy Cooper comes to in terms of power plants and and rates, things that would affect those 2 million South Carolinians, those will have to be reviewed by utility regulators like the Office of Regulatory Staff, like the Public Service Commission. There's going to be more opportunity for Customers of Santee Cooper to complain about proposed rate hikes and to let the board know what they think about decisions. You know, there will have to be public hearings in which they can weigh in on those things. Previously, Santee Cooper and its board, you know, they kind of just did whatever they wanted. They'd hold board meetings and there wasn't really a whole lot of public comment, and the board would vote, usually unanimously, to approve sort of whatever the CEO wanted. So this, this system of reforms makes them operate more like a investor-owned utility in respect to customers having a right to protest, customers having a right to complain, and there being some level of oversight from the state to try to kind of audit those those rate hikes and make sure that they're absolutely necessary.
0: So even lawmakers on the side of reform, are there any concerns that they still have about Santee Cooper and about going down this path of, of keeping it under state ownership?
1: I think the concern is whether this reform is meaningful reform is, is the term I keep hearing. Uh, is this is this just something that we're doing as lawmakers to say that we did something and then Santi Cooper is going to go back to status quo in a few years when everybody's forgotten about it? Or is it something that is going to be meaningful, that's going to be substantial and will last for years? Uh, sometimes they're referred to as guardrails, that there there are guardrails in place to make sure that this agency doesn't go rogue and uh, start repeating a lot of the same mistakes that it made before. And that that's really the the major concern I'm seeing is what form should those guardrails take and how do you make sure that this that this reform is actually reform.
0: After the Senate passed its Santi Cooper reform bill on April twenty second Senate Majority Leader Shane Massey told reporters he thinks this will be meaningful reform, but he does have lingering concerns.
1: I wish we could go further and do more things, but I do think we've got sufficient accountability and oversight protection. Uh, Now, having said that, I still think Santee Cooper's a dumpster fire. Uh, I'm still very concerned about the culture at Santee Cooper, and I think it could fall apart at any time.
0: So as we've discussed, this has been a years-long debate and process since the VC Summer project fell apart in 2017, and it's been very complicated along the way. There's been a lot of things to follow along with. So what do you think is the most important thing to to know if you're maybe a rate payer or just a general reader who maybe is just trying to make sense of this whole years-long process. What do you think is the most the important takeaway thing here is to the know right now? state
2: of South Carolina and its lawmakers will continue to appoint a board that is in charge of a, a utility company at a very important time whenever utility companies are changing dramatically. In the next couple decades, utility companies in this country are going to have to deal with potentially carbon emission taxes, a complete overhaul of where electricity is being generated, a bunch of new regulations. And I think people should just realize that the state of South Carolina and Sandy Cooper are going to play a big role in that.
0: All right, listeners, that's all for today. Do you have questions about today's show or ideas for what we should cover in a future episode? Write to us at understandsc at postingcurrier.com Or tweet us at UnderstandSC. For more South Carolina business news, you can subscribe to our business newsletter. That comes out every Monday and Thursday. We'll leave a link to sign up in today's show notes. And remember, we also have a newsletter for this podcast, too. If you sign up for that, you'll get our new episodes in your inbox every week. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier. Our music is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music on Spotify at Billy Fountain. We'd love to know what you think of this show. You can reach us at understandSC at com or on Twitter at understandSC. If you're a fan of this show, please rate and review us on the Apple Podcasts app. Keep up with the latest headlines at postandcourier.com. We'll see y'all next week.